My mace. I don't know what that means, Gus admitted. That's okay, Casey said. I'm asexual. And Gus still didn't know what to do with that. Is that good? Casey nodded. Welcome to the Clunatics Podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. You know, when we started to work on this series, I was planning for the podcast to have a really simple format. I wanted to talk with Clunatics one-on-one and learn about their lives and how TJ's work has been meaningful to them. And so I got TJ's permission, and then I reached out to Mia Skibaris, one of the Clunatic Facebook group admins, because I wanted to make sure that the podcast stayed true to the spirit of the group she had helped create. She was excited and sent me a list of episode ideas. These were not simple episode ideas. These were documentary-style, in-depth examinations of topics and themes that spanned the entirety of TJ's work. And at the top of that list was a description of today's episode. And I knew we had to do it. It would be a disservice to the Clunatics to do any less. And so, if you're enjoying the podcast in its current form, blame Mia. TJ is the first author I've read who identified as asexual, and his writing and the personal example he sets has been an education for me. But I was just scratching the surface, because then I got an education from the Clunatics, the very Clunatics you will hear from today. So for the most part, I'm just going to let them talk this episode, with a few notable exceptions. TJ's work is littered with references to asexuality, and so we'll be hearing excerpts from several of his audiobooks, narrated by Charlie David, Derek McLean, Michael Leslie, and even me. Episode 7, The Importance of Being Gus, which is all about asexuality. Hooray! Yeah, this has been... uh, this has been really interesting for me to talk to so many people who really have discovered this huge part of, of themselves because of your books. But specifically, it's how to be a normal person that seems to have triggered an awakening for so many people. Here's producer and ruiner of perfectly good ideas that would have been fine and a lot less work, Mia Skibaris, followed by Tanya and Elaine, who we've met in previous episodes, and then James and Amy, who will introduce themselves later in this episode. I know I've talked with a couple of people about it and how how it was just like this light came on for them that all of a sudden it was like, ah, oh, that makes that makes sense. That's who I am. This applies to me. This is this is who I am, and it's okay. When I saw um, the the back blurb for for how to be a normal person, I'm like, what does that even mean? What what is that? And so I, I, I looked it up, I did a little research, and it was like angel singing. Like, oh, you know, this, this, is, this is me. I didn't know that this was a thing. Coming across how to be a normal person, that, that made a big difference because suddenly I was like, oh, hey, there's, there's a word for this, you know. Asexuality is a thing. And whoa. <laughs> That was quite an epiphany. It was kind of a happy accident, almost. Like, I was kind of realising asexuality within myself sort of around the same time I started reading TJ's work. So it was kind of, it kind of happened at the same time, reading How to Be a Normal Person, kind of discovering it within myself. Okay, so 
have, reading that book, and that's how I learned about asexuality to begin with. And from that, I learned about being aromantic, which is really more how I ident- identify. Um, but for me, Gus and Casey's story hit like right in the solar plexus. It was the biggest gut punch in terms of going, well, fuck, that actually makes sense. That's what's going on. That's, that's what my story is. That's who I am. Your 2012 book, Who We Are, included an asexual character, Eddie the Therapist. You'll have to forgive me, he says. I'm what you'd call asexual, so I'm not really up on the lingo of the gay culture. You didn't go into great detail about it in that book. But then in 2015, you released How to Be a Normal Person. Is this indicative of your path of discovering and accepting yourself as asexual? It is. And there was another asexual character between those two. How to Be a Normal Person came out in the fall of 2015. Lightning Struck Heart came out in the summer of 2015. And Morgan's Shadows is asexual, and he says it explicitly in that book. Simple. I'm asexual. I blinked. What? Asexual. I don't find the act of sex appealing. I'd much rather have the emotional connections I do have. Not the intimate ones I do without. Hi, I'm James. I'm a student from the UK, currently living in Coventry. Morgan in um, Tales from Verania. Like, I, yeah, I enjoy his character, but at the end, it's just kind of... It's nice that the whole asexual thing isn't a focus for him. Like, it's just kind of... It's another part of himself. Like, it's not made a big deal. It's kind of mentioned here and there when it's come up. But apart from that, it's kind of not focused on. Which, again, it's nice to see. It's kind of nice to be, like, normalised. And writing Morgan as that character was me coming to terms with the fact that I was ace. And then once I understood that and started exploring what that meant, I knew that I needed to or I wanted to write a character or a book set around an entirely asexual relationship on the spectrum. And I didn't want it to be the lead character and how to be a normal person. Gus, for whatever he is, for all that he is, never says at any point in a book that he is asexual. What do you identify as? Gus narrowed his eyes. What do you mean? Gay? Xander asked. Bi? Asexual? Demisexual? Graysexual? What are you? I'm Gus, he said. That's it. My name is Cassie, and I am from Chicago. I actually identified it most with Gus, and I, I honestly think a lot of people do, you know, who, who doesn't have a label, uh, doesn't want a label, so I won't label him. But, you know, I, especially when I first read it, saw a lot of my own, like, depression coping mechanisms in him. And so I felt acutely connected with him in it when I initially read it. And so, you know, it was lovely to have Casey, but it was almost more lovely to like be able to see myself in multiple characters. So when I was writing How to Be a Normal Person, I was going on a journey with Gus myself in figuring out what that could mean to me and him as a character. 
Hi, I'm Anne, and I live in Kentucky. I didn't read the character of Casey and say, oh, that's me. It's like looking in a mirror. He's exactly like me, because he's not. There were differences, but just the way that it was written, the way that TJ wrote the character of Casey and the way the other characters spoke about Casey made me reconsider and broaden the definition, and I sought out better sources. What I loved most about that book, and this could just turn into a conversation about how much I love how to be a normal person, but I think it was the way that TJ educates you through the education of Gus and the way that Gus embraces and goes, ah, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with this. This is actually just a thing and it kind of possibly applies to me as well. I don't care, this is just who I am and I. this is me, I don't have a problem with it and if anybody has a problem with it, that's actually their problem and not my problem. There was no expectation from me as a reader, from the author, uh, as TJ wrote the book, um, from the other characters in the book, that the asexual needed to change something to be involved in the relationship which was really lovely and refreshing. And in fact, um, you know, being written from Gus's perspective more, the expectation almost falls on him to be the one who changes and accommodates. Like it wasn't on Casey to be any different than he was or, or to put up with contact that he didn't want or, you know, for Gus to figure out how to make that contact okay for him because he just had to have it. Like it was none of that. You need to make sure he's comfortable, Betty said. Let him set the pace for anything that might happen. But don't go into this thinking anything will happen, Gus. You can't change someone else to fit how you want them to be. I don't think you'd do something like that. But even having expectations of something unrealistic can be detrimental. But Gus thought he could change himself. And maybe that was enough. Um, his unconditional acceptance of Casey and how he accepted everything about Casey equally. Like he, he was a stoner. He wore a man bun. He was asexual. He was a hipster. All those things were kind of even to Gus in, in his perception. And I loved how confused he got when other characters would try, would talk to him and try to convince him that he should care more about this. He should be more upset about this. And he was so confused by that like what's the big deal I love that and I love how Gus just makes easy things comically complicated because that's what's so entertaining about the book but he also makes really difficult things that we think are really difficult and complicated to navigate just really easy and honestly another thing I appreciated about it really was that Casey's asexuality is almost incidental to everything else just like a piece of him he's cool with it you know his struggle with it is over his ex is more upset about it than he is at this point and it's really just like this is me and if you want any type of relationship with me this is how it's going to be I'm not going to modify this part of myself for you and I'm okay with that so you need to be okay with it too well obviously it's, it's kind of it features a, an asexual character so and that kind of that for me was a real kind of eye-opener like to see like part of myself represented in a book that way was kind of was, meant quite a lot to me. Because I know it's like it's not the focus because obviously the focus isn't this like the asexual character is the love interest rather than the like the protagonist. But yeah, it was it was really important to see that kind of side of myself represented. 
my name is uh, Sam Aaron. I'm from uh, Long Island, uh, New York. So for me, I feel like there's not a lot of Ace and Arrow rep in media in general. So having like a whole book that's like, oh, this is about me. This is about people like me. It was really important. And it was nice to see uh, an asexual person like in a relationship and living his best life. Because I'm an asexual person who would like to be in a relationship someday. I'm not currently, but I still possibly like that idea for myself, you know? Are they all, you know, like you? Casey arched an eyebrow. Asexual? What? Gus said. No, I don't care about that. Are they all hipsters? How to Be a Normal Person was my guidebook for myself. And even though I understood technically what it meant after writing Morgan of Shadows uh, in Lightning Struck Heart, I... It, it's, it was basically not something that was discussed in any real extreme depth, but it could be argued that how to be a normal person is all about the depth of asexuality. And that's why I wanted to write it as almost like a light post for myself so I could find my way back. So how did you learn about asexuality? Because I mean, I, as much as I may have been aware of the concept, I think the first time I ever actually saw the word asexual was your Twitter account. Like, where I, did you find the language? How did I find the language? Google. I Google. I love Wikipedia more than more than most people. <laughs> and I can spend hours upon hours upon hours on that website. And so whenever I have a question or there's something I don't know or want to learn about something new, I'll end up on Google, which usually leads me to Wikipedia. I, I believe the first time that I heard the term asexuality was in a textbook in a human sexuality class in college and it was a one-line definition that said something like unable to experience sexual attraction or something like that and that sort of informed my understanding of asexuality and myself for a long time uh, that's where I sort of started living with the definition of I'm just broken there's just something wrong with me I don't know what it is but I'm just not normal and I even at one point talked to a doctor and said you know what's causing this and they, she did tests and everything was normal but she did offer some some options which I ultimately decided not to take and so then I had this sort of guilty feeling on top of it that I'm, I'm broken and I'm also refusing to try to be fixed. So I started feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of need to apologize. He went back to the first encyclopedia, but the entry under asexual was relatively short and didn't provide much information as to why an asexual hipster wanted to work his way up to hugging. And Gus didn't know what to do with that. For the first time in his relatively short life, Encyclopedia Britannica had failed him by not providing the information necessary to solve this most vexing of problems. So 
While Wikipedia probably isn't the best place to learn about being asexual, it's where I started. But then, of course, it led me to, you know, asexuality.org or AVEN and all of them. And there's message boards. There's, there's all these message boards with people asking questions about what it means to be asexual. Well, that, that's the thing as well, is like even if you go and try and research it, you get every gamut of of definitions and explanations and you very quickly realize that actually there's no one definition for everybody and that's what makes it really hard as an individual to try and work out well what does that actually mean for me here's elaine one of the clunatic facebook admins i just wanted the truth like what what does it mean to be asexual and what would it mean for me in particular if i was asexual so I actually decided I'm not going to make a spur-of-the-moment decision on this. I took two years to research this and read up on all the different kinds of attraction, the different levels, you know, asexual, demisexual, that sort of thing, grey sexual. And in the end, I made myself step back and go, based on the evidence, it definitely clearly points to my being on asexual spectrum. I did get a better understanding of the term a few years after that. I I sought out a better explanation or a better definition, and I was still coming across very strict definitions that in order to be asexual, you have to not enjoy sexual contact ever, and you have to be repulsed by sex. And those didn't, I, I didn't fit into that box. I couldn't check all those boxes. So I sort of set that label aside and said, well, that's not me. So even, even though I, by that point, did sort of understand it as a valid sexuality for some people, it didn't apply to me because I couldn't check all the boxes. So I just went back to my, I'm broken, something's wrong with me, but I'm not going to fix it place. And that's where I was when I found TJ's book. He had tried to research asexuality later into the night, but it might have intimidated him a little, given how much contradictory information there seemed to be. All he could really figure out was that there was no one way to be asexual, and that answered absolutely none of the questions he had. Can you be an asexual person and still have sex? Of course you can. Can you be an asexual person and be sexually repulsed? Of course you can. Can you have sex a lot? Yep. Can you have no sex at all? Sure, that's totally fine. It's it's something that I feel more comfortable in, in my skin, under the umbrella term that I have at any other point in my life. So for me, asexuality is really kind of textbook. For me, it's a lack of sexual attraction. Like, I don't feel sexual attraction towards other people. I never have, and I probably don't think I ever will. I don't really see that changing. I don't have issues with other people having sex, like, go live your lives, do wonderful things. But myself having sex, just, no thanks, I'm good. Asexuality to me is just kind of a lack of desire to want to do anything kind of sexual. It can range from not wanting sex itself to not wanting any kind of like physical kind of contact in kind of any way, really. I I don't enjoy imagery of physical intimacy like people kiss too intensely on a tv show and i'm uncomfortable like it's like too in my face i don't like it in movies i like 
no porn. Like, I just don't, it's uncomfortable for me. So for me, asexuality means that, you know, I pretty much don't ever look at someone and feel sexual attraction to them or even think of them in a sexual way. I mean, I know that sexual attraction exists because society has taught me that it exists, that society has sort of taught me that there's a sort of lens through which most people view things, you know, and see, okay, that's sexually attractive. And I just don't have that lens. And it took me a long while to figure it out. Why I didn't feel the way everyone else seemed to feel about sex. It doesn't do a whole lot for me, to be honest. I thought maybe it was women, so I switched to men, but it wasn't all that much better. It's... it was mechanical, almost. I was going through the motions, but it wasn't really doing anything for me. I could get off, but I didn't care about it. I thought maybe there was something wrong with me, until I figured it out, and... Then it was like a big, fat, asexual ray of sunshine fell over me. Then it was glorious. But it felt better when I figured out that I wasn't weird, and that it was okay to not want sex like everyone else. But I like touching, and I like kissing most of the time. And I can be there for a partner should the situation arise. Sometimes I'll even jerk off. Then... I'm told I give really awesome hugs. He waggled his eyebrows unfairly. And, um, you know, obviously there's subsets of asexuality, like there's subsets of every kind of asexuality that there is. And I'm, I'm, I, though, am comfortable with the label of asexual, and that's just something that I've chosen for myself. Being ace means that I do feel a clear difference between romantic attraction and sexual attraction, since I feel romantic attraction and... So I, I actually identify as being demisexual, where I only feel sexual attraction if I'm already, you know, emotionally bonded with somebody. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my soundboard and there's like different faders, you know, and you, you, you realize that like sexuality has so many different faders, you know, because exactly. you can be you can be on the gay side, the straight side, you can land anywhere in between. And that's the thing, even in asexuality, you've got that fader as well in terms of, you know, um, you know, no sex, sex, or, you know, there's everything in between as well. And there, you know, when you think about, you know, there's grey sexual and... Demisexual you know, like, and pansexual. Like the, and, yeah. and then there's the romanticism yeah. fader. Like, are you aromantic? Yeah. Are you the yeah, type of exactly. person who always has to be in a romantic relationship? Like, there's, there's so many different faders. I don't even know if I have romantic attraction yet. Who knows? I don't want a partner. I, I'm still finding my way on the spectrum and as also being um, aromantic as well. I just I have no desire for a partner. And realizing that there are other people out there who are like that and, and have fulfilling lives without a partner and that that's okay. I, I had understood that I was not looking for similar things in life as a lot of the people that I was around, especially at that school. And after that, it was just, I don't want to date. I don't really want to date. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun. It's always work for me. Like, it's just always difficult. Hi, I'm Amy from Big Fork, Montana. 
So for me, having a relationship that has sex in it, it, it's not important to me. I'm not, I definitely am not repulsed or averse or anything, but it just has no, it's not important in my relationships with people. And being aromantic, I don't even really enjoy that close of a relationship with people where you say, oh, I'm in love, or I love this person so much, I want to spend the rest of my life with them. No, thank you. Maybe Casey doesn't even want to date me. He's asexual. He doesn't like that sort of thing. Bertha frowned. Now you're generalizing, and that's not fair. Sex and romance don't always have to go hand in hand, Gustavo. And there's a difference between being asexual and aromantic. Asexuals experience little to no sexual attraction, they romantics experience little to no romantic attraction. They're not the same, and you can be one without the other. Or both. Or neither. Two very big things changed for me when I found TJ's book. The first thing is that it broadened my understanding of what asexuality is and could be. I didn't see the need for that strict rigid checklist that I had had in my head. I realized that it could be as complicated and varied as people are and that the label doesn't exist to define me by shoving me into this tiny little box that I don't fit into, but it can be a means of expressing something about myself. And that was a big paradigm shift for me. And the second thing that it did for me was it made me realize that I can stop apologizing even if it confuses or inconveniences someone else, I don't need to feel guilty and I'm not broken. The magical thing about how to be a normal person for me wasn't necessarily that it told me what asexuality was, but it was really the first book that I read with an asexual main character where asexuality wasn't a problem to solve or a barrier to overcome or an interesting plot point to prolong the sexual tension. TJ's work hasn't just taught people about themselves, but he's helped to facilitate conversations and foster acceptance within families. One of the most touching letters that I've ever received or one of the most touching emails that I've ever received was from a straight dad who's a sexual daughter, his 16-year-old asexual daughter, came out as asexual. He didn't understand what that meant, so she gave him how to be a normal person to read. And he read that and wrote to me saying how much it helped him understand where his daughter was coming from. And that was, that was ridiculous. I was floored, I teared up, I was just in, in shock that, that something like that happened. When I found this book and started talking about these characters and how great they were, they, my husband and my kid both decided we need we need to read this one, and my kid desperately wanted to voice Gus, so <laughs> we did it as a read aloud, and they were Gus, and it was amazing, and it did open up a lot of great conversations. I had never actually spoken about that topic with my kid, and so that was the first time it had come up that that I was asexual, and they they reacted very much as Gus would, like okay. <laughs> no big deal. I think it helped my husband a lot because as someone who is not asexual, who is in a relationship with someone who is, I think I think he took some 
blame for that too. I think it would, you know, in the back of the back of his mind, from messages from the outside world, it seemed as if it would. It was about him not being good enough or handsome enough or good enough at sex or whatever it was. And I think seeing their relationship helped him understand that it's not it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about anything that you do or don't do. It's about me and how I am. And so that was really helpful too. That was it was kind of healing. You don't care that I'm asexual. Gus frowned. Of course I don't. Why would I? Casey's smile widened. Exactly, man. And it's the same for me. I don't want you to be a normal person, okay? Or if that's what you want, that's okay too. I just want you to have what makes you happy, Gus. And that's what matters most. How to Be a Normal Person is the book that I've given away the most. I like dozens of copies, physical copies. Like, I just, it's handed out like candy. You know, I even gave my mum a copy. She loved it. And it's been really good for starting conversations with people who then read it because they're like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Here's Janice from our last episode expanding on the education she's received from reading TJ's books and how it's affected her own family. That was the beginning of my journey and learning so much more about asexuality, yes, and demisexuality, and so much more. I had a limited vocabulary prior to, to reading particularly TJ's books. He, his representation is brilliant, and so you get to learn about these things, and, that, and it was very personal for me because when I read How to Be a Normal Person, I had a daughter who was in her 20s, had never had a partner, had told us that she wasn't interested in dating until she finished uni and she was and she's always been a very happy joyous girl very social and I thought I wonder if she's asexual and I wouldn't have known to think that because I didn't have access to all this so I read How to Be a Normal Person when it first came out and I immediately bought copies for several of my friends who had kids in various stages of of coming out or thinking about who that who and what they were and I gave it to my daughter she adored it but she didn't talk to me about the asexuality so I thought okay let's see that might not be where we're at and as it turns out she's demisexual and she met someone and they were great friends and gradually it was like watching Josie and Cuban just this gorgeous slightly nervous gently coming together of two gorgeous girls and they're madly in love now so how to be a normal person was a really good resource for me to sort of start with and when i later shared about being asexual with some of my close friends i pointed them to how to be a normal person because i felt that it illustrates quite well what it means to be ace and how it differentiates between asexuality and being aromantic because those are two things that often get conflated and one of my friends when I told her about my being asexual and that how to be a normal person had helped me work this out she actually went out and bought the book immediately and read it just so that she could 
teach herself, educate herself, and be a good supportive friend. And that really touched me when I heard that. The fact that he's already told you of his asexuality also shows how comfortable he is with you, Bertha said. We knew a lovely asexual woman back in the 90s who told us only after we'd known her for close to a year. It's not a secret, nor is it meant to be, but it shows a sign of trust and comfort to be told. Gus was quiet for a moment. Then, he gives really good hugs. Did the positive response to how to be a normal person encourage you to have future characters identify on the asexuality spectrum? Absolutely. Absolutely. The fact that it was well-received gave me courage to include more asexual characters in in books, which is why uh, the book In the Lives of Puppets, the main character, Victor, he is biracial. He is a person with autism, but he is also asexual. And that is explicitly discussed in the book. Kelly from Heartsong is asexual. That is discussed explicitly in the book. We made it work. It's not that I'm repulsed by sex or anything. It's just not everything to me. There's more to us than physical intimacy. Or there was. It was such a, it was a really nice surprise because we have Kelly and Green Creek and he says, so, especially in like Heart Song, he says such perfect ace things that are just like, ah, there you go, hitting me like that. And it's really the same thing for Casey. He just says these little things that I'm just like, oh, you get it. You understand that. And it's kind of one of the best feelings in the world to have someone in a book understand the little nuances about you that people who aren't ace really might not understand. You don't need sex to be in love with someone. But then how else do you show that you're in love? Josie looked up at the sky. The stars were bright. Because you can look at the person and just know they're someone special. That you would do anything to see them smile. Sex is good for a lot of people. But not for others. Just because they feel that way doesn't mean they don't love like everyone else. When I first read the character of Josie in How to Be a Movie Star, I cried. Not only because he is such a wonderful person who has overcome so much adversity in his life, but because it was so wonderful to see someone like me, a demisexual person, depicted so respectfully and accurately in a book. So often in fiction, especially romantic fiction, on the rare occasions that people on the asexual spectrum are depicted, they tend to be treated as people who are in some way lacking. So in these books, sexual attraction and sex drive are often conflated. And ace characters, well, they're generally depicted as people whose sex drive is broken, and that is their defining characteristic. Also, in such books, demisexual characters are often so-called cured by having sex with their one true love. But in How to Be a Movie Star, none of these things apply to Josie. Yes, he's demisexual, and it is an important part of how he behaves, how his relationships form. But his sexuality isn't the be-all and end-all of who he is. I need to get a girlfriend, Chris said with a sigh. I'm tired of seeing naked people I don't want to have sex with. 
That sounds like too much work, Tanner said. That's because you're a You don't want a girlfriend. Maybe you should just learn to be happy with yourself. Being aromantic doesn't have anything to do with that. Tanner is my boy. He makes me very happy. And I remember when I read that line, that's because you're arrow, I went, woohoo! Because it made me so happy. I literally woohooed. There's not a lot of that kind of representation out there. And it was just so awesome to come across it in a book and by an author that I love. Using words like asexual or bisexual, pansexual, the more we use them, the more power they will have. Because there are going to be people who don't know what asexual means. And if they can learn along with a narrative, then that's all I could ask for. That's all I could ever want. And I think the more you talk about it, the more normal it actually becomes for the people around you and the better educated they are about what it is because you know sex and sexuality is such a big thing in society and trying to um, define where you are on that spectrum um, I think everybody constantly is trying to define where they are on that spectrum because as you age things change as well so I think it's one of those things that for me it was like getting a name to it made it so much easier to understand. I don't want to come across as preaching because there's going to be topics that I'm writing about that I should not be preaching about, that, that that shouldn't sound like I'm preaching. But when it comes to topics that are about like asexuality and stuff like that, I still want to teach people, but to do so in an entertaining way so it doesn't come across like I'm just copying and pasting Wikipedia. That sounds nice, Casey said, but I'm asexual. Xander and Serge are gay, and Hosiah is demisexual. I don't know what any of that means, Margot Montana said. Demi means half, Mrs. Von Patterson said, sounding very proud of herself. He's half-sexual, bisexual. He likes men and busty women like myself. Not even close, Casey said. Have a good day. One of the things I like about, I guess, the How to Be series is that it it's a very gentle but effective way of educating people about the fact that, you know, even asexuality is nuanced. The Clunatics Podcast is produced by Susanna Frigo, Louis Garcia, Angela Noel-Moan, Sita Rajasingham, Mia Skibaris, John Steiger, and me. This episode was written by Susanna Frigo. Make sure you're following the Clunatics Podcast on social media. Join our Facebook group and find us on Instagram and Twitter using at ClunaticsPod. Special thanks to Charlie David, Derek McLean, Michael Leslie, and to our season sponsor, Chelsea Verzweibelt. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this episode. Word of mouth is still the best advertising, so please tell a friend or post about the show on social media. If you want to support the podcast with a financial contribution, hit the donate button at clunaticspodcast.com. Anything we collect from now until July 1st, 2020 will be donated to The Trevor Project. 
Additional information about the podcast, including episode transcripts and the Clune Speak Don't Be a Dictionary, is also available at cluneticspodcast.com. You can find out more about me and my work at kurtreads.com. That's K-I-R-T-R-E-A-D-S dot com. All music and sound effects heard in this episode are licensed by Storyblocks Audio.